0: Ohio Mysteries. Now, we've got an important Rewind episode for you. Another case solved by new DNA advancements, but also a revelation. It turns out the suspect identified through DNA advancements in the 1972 murder of young Brad Bellino and Boardman has now also been identified in the 1975 murder of David Evans from the same town. Now, we did... Back-to-back episodes on these boys three years ago, never dreaming they would both about to be solved. And pinned on what now appears to be a serial killer. Just last week, the state and Mahoney County officials announced the connection naming Joseph Norman Hill as the apparent killer of both boys. Now, he died of natural causes in 2019. He was 32 years old when Brad Bellino was killed. 35 at David's death. He lived on Shadyside Drive in Boardman and drove a truck for a local bottled water company. Three years after David was killed, Hill moved to California where he remained until his death. The Bureau of Criminal Investigation applied the latest technology to DNA found in both cases and matched it to Hill. Since Hill is dead, he can't be held accountable for his crimes, but the evidence is strong enough that hopefully both families will feel some closure. It will be interesting to see if Ohio or California authorities find any more connections between Hill and the murders of young boys in the 70s and 80s. We'll be sure to tell you if we learn anything. When Hill was identified in Brad Bellino's case, we replayed the episode we did just back in February. So tonight, we thought we'd remember David the same way. Here's a rewind of our 10 minute mystery on David Evans.
1: Hi, everyone. Okay, tonight's 10-minute mystery is related to the Sunday episode we did on the murder of Brad Bellino. In that story, we recounted the 1972 killing of a 12-year-old boy in the Mahoning County city of Boardman. Now, Brad vanished on his walk home from his best friend's house. He was found five days later, having been sexually assaulted, strangled with a belt, and placed in a dumpster. The killing unsolved to this day, stunned the rural suburban community, which in some ways was never the same. Now, when Brad died, the community wasn't yet over the shock of losing another youth two years earlier. In 1970, a 15-year-old boardman boy had been found severely beaten. Thomas Baird survived a few days before succumbing to his head injuries, but couldn't recover enough to help police. Detectives believed he had been jumped by other youths, but could never solve this one. So the community had lost Thomas Baird. Then they had lost Brad Bellino. Tonight's story is about a third boy that they lost, two and a half years after Brad Bellino's terrible murder. The community had to go through it all over again. Now, I hope you listened to Sunday's armchair detective Mark Baker went to school with Brad and gave us a unique perspective of what it was like to grow up in Boardman both before and after that innocence ending milestone. If you heard him then you're going to have a better foundation to understand the impact of what happened next. For this story we're going to 1975. Like Brad Bellino David Evans went to Boardman Center Middle School where he played in the band and was a straight-A student. He was 13 years old in 1975. That was a year older than Brad when Brad was killed. David Evans lived on Ridgewood Drive with his parents, Peter and Gracie, and his older siblings, John and Eileen, and a younger brother, Tommy. He was a reserved boy, probably at least in part due to the medical battles he faced in his young life. He was born with a narrow hand missing two fingers. He didn't let it stop him from playing baseball. He spent an entire summer pitching a baseball onto the roof and learning to catch it with his left hand. When he was six, he needed some significant eye surgery to correct the muscles in his eye. And when he was nine, he was diagnosed with diabetes. He wore a medical identification tag and bravely took his insulin shots twice a day. But in other ways, he was a typical kid with a love of sports and outdoor activities. And on January 17, David headed off to do one of the few things a kid could do in the middle of a Northeast Ohio winter. He was going skating. David ate a sandwich for dinner at 4 p.m., then headed off for a nearby lake. He was disappointed with what he found. The ice was not thick enough to support his weight, so he started to head home, and he crossed paths with his dad, Peter, who was also on foot and headed to his own appointment. The two paused at the corner of Stilson Place and Withers Drive, where David explained what he found at the lake. He told his dad he was headed home, which is probably only 25 houses away from where the two stood. And the two parted ways. It was 6 p.m. Peter Evans made it home before David. And with darkness longing have descended, he and Gracie were getting worried. Surely their son should have been home by now did he stop at the high school to watch a basketball game they made a phone call he wasn't there was there an accident david taken to one of the area hospitals they worked the phones again but no one had received an injured boy in their emergency room finally peter and gracie evans got in the car and drove around looking for their son. It was about 11.30 p.m. when they made it to Stilson Place in Withers Drive, the last place Peter had seen his son five and a half hours earlier. David wasn't there, but Gracie spotted his red-knit hat. It was lying on the ground. The snow trampled about it in a three-foot circumference. For the next six days, police, friends, and family scoured the area looking for David, especially in the area of the snow-covered Boardman Park and Mill Creek Park. Adding to their urgency, they knew he was long overdue for his next insulin shot. The National Guard added a helicopter to the search. Meanwhile... Police were conducting interviews and polygraph exams. David's entire family took the lie detector tests and were cleared. On January 23, five days after David vanished, the search ended. A Boardman realtor named Hugh McCall and his wife were in the rear parking lot of the business at Market Street and Boardman Poland Road. Hugh opened the door for his wife. Then the two of them noticed, not five feet away, a flash of color. It was a denim clad knee sticking out of a snowbank by some bushes. They investigated and found David's frozen body. They were less than half a mile from where Brad Bellino was found two and a half years earlier. David was lying on his back, one knee bent, the other leg straight, his hands on his chest. He was fully clothed, still wearing his blue jeans, blue plaid jacket, maroon sweatshirt, and tan boots. But the clothing around his torso was bunched up around his neck as if he had been dragged by the feet to where he lay. Coroner Dr. Nathan Belinky found David's left wrist had been broken after his death. There was also a small puncture wound in his back, perfectly round hole an inch in diameter and an inch deep right above the waist. Investigators still have no idea what caused that hole. It wasn't made by a knife. It wasn't made by a bullet. There was minor bruising under his chin, right eye, and left ear, but little blood. And unlike Brad Bellino, no signs of sexual assault. His cause of death was a diabetic coma. There was one other odd finding. David had eaten that sandwich at home at 4 p.m., but at some point after his disappearance, he ate a large meal because he died with a full stomach. And yet, incredibly, coroner Belinky concluded that there were no signs of foul play, no sign of a crime, and that David died of natural causes. Peter and Gracie Evans couldn't believe it. They called the report a comedy of errors and criticized the coroner for suggesting their son had walked himself 15 blocks from home, ate a large meal, laid down to die by some bushes, and managed to bruise and puncture himself, not to mention break his own wrist after death. Peter Evans told reporters he believed his son was abducted. He was too shy to accept a ride from a stranger willingly, always kept his parents informed of his whereabouts, and knew he would need his insulin shot the next morning. In a very unusual move, the angry coroner fought back, chiding the parents and the media. After seeing the Evansons give an interview, he released a statement that said their comments were unfounded and that while he would never normally participate in a public debate over a case, he felt the need to defend himself. Incidentally, the coroner's statement revealed a couple of things that hadn't been public knowledge before. The Evanses had told him that a month prior to David's death, there had been several hang-up phone calls to the house. It was enough of a harassment that they actually reported it to the police. And we also learned that after David's death, before his body was found David's parents had received a ransom call demanding $500 for the return of their son the ransom caller never called back to complete the plan given the growing hostility between the coroner and David's parents the Evanses asked the FBI to get involved but back in 1975 they lacked any jurisdiction in the case Fortunately, Boardman Police Chief Grant Hess disagreed with the county coroner and kept his detectives on the case. Even as recently as the early 2000s, cold case detectives were cracking open the file for another look. Given the tension in Boardman over the Bellino and Evans murders, it was easy to want to blame both of them on a single killer. There were similarities. Two boys, 12 and 13, abducted from the street. But Brad had been sexually assaulted. David had not. So what was the motive in David's case? Police said the lack of a crime scene complicated things. The hat indicated where it began. The bushes proved where it had ended, but something happened between those two places. Knowing that location could provide new evidence. Police didn't even know the date and time of David's death. Because his body was frozen, it was impossible to narrow it down. But not knowing when David died, could make the case more similar to Brad's than might otherwise be obvious because Brad had been held prisoner for a full day before he was killed. David had that meal in his stomach that wasn't there when he left home for the lake. It certainly seems possible he had been held against his will and perished because the killer had kept him from his insulin. One final note on this. Dr. Nathan Belenke the coroner who refused to rule David's death a homicide? In 1993, at the age of 79, he was found guilty of supplying pills to drug dealers for resale. He was forced to resign, surrendered his medical license, and served six months in jail.
0: That's it for our midweek 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-sized Ohio mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. And may all of your mysteries have happy endings. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States is locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains. We'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality, of the fighting, and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war now back to the show